Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. I'm so glad you've joined me again today and we're in episode two of a brand new collection called the Spheres Collection and thank you so much for your feedback on last week's episode. I am loving hearing what these mean to you and continuing the conversation with you. Today I do have a very special guest to introduce to you in just a moment but first let me get to you up to speed on where we're at. If you missed last week's podcast I want to encourage you to go back and have a listen because we did lay the theological foundations and framework for this whole series We read together that God's dream, which we read about in Acts 2, is for every single one of us to operate prophetically in the spaces he has placed us as business people, hairdressers, florists, plumbers, teachers, architects, parents, foster carers, whatever and wherever God has given you as your assignment. You can operate prophetically under the leading of the Holy Spirit and also be his mouthpiece to the world around you. Acts 2 says we shall prophesy, young and old, men and women. And today you're going to meet one of my inspiring friends who is doing such a brilliant job with his small business and you are going to love him and get heaps of ideas for your own business or for your role in the marketplace. But before we meet him, I actually want to talk about the concept of the secular sacred divide because I think this is something that is quite insidious in our culture and it's worth us revisiting it. It's actually because it is the prevailing belief within our culture today that there is and should be a divide between the secular and the sacred. Now, it's very interesting that we actually find no such division within the pages of your Bible. Historically, modernism or the enlightenment of the 17th to the 19th centuries saw a transition from living according to faith-based beliefs and biblical truth to this elevation of human reasoning or empiricism and logic. So in effect, what happened was that modernism soon replaced Christianity as the dominant worldview. And there were philosophers who pushed this like Immanuel Kant, who presented radical views that divided our reality into two parts. There was the phenomenal, which is the world of fact and human reasoning, and what he called the the now-menal, which represents morality and spirituality. So he believed that within this spiritual realm, there was no factual or logical basis that provided certainty, and therefore these things should be kept private 
and outside of the public domain. And this was a huge shift because essentially God was eliminated from the public arena and human reasoning replaced God in determining what was moral and our moral laws. And so eventually this led to an accepted societal norm that our jobs or our roles in the marketplace should be completely separate from our religion, our faith, or our lives of worship. So if, for example, we took just the average number of hours that full-time Australians worked per week, so the average Australian works around 39 hours a week, if we separate our faith with God from our marketplace, that's 39 hours a week devoid of God. If we submit to our prevailing world culture of secular, sacred separation, But according to what scripture teaches, we actually can't divorce the sacred and the secular and we were never intended to. One of my very, very favorite authors, his name is John Mark Comer, he describes this transition this way. The sacred-secular divide is this erroneous idea that some things are sacred or spiritual and they matter to God, But other things are secular or physical, and by implication, they don't matter to God. The problem with this widespread, ubiquitous, domineering, destructive way of thinking is that, well, by this definition, most of life is secular. And in the church, we often spend the majority of our time teaching people how to live the minority of their lives. Isn't that so good? And so the Bible presents a very different view on this. In Romans 12, Paul writes, and I'm going to read the message paraphrase, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I absolutely love that paraphrase because it does. It blows literally to smithereens, this idea of a sacred and secular divide. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, from the very beginning, God intended even our work lives to be worship. In Genesis 2.15, that immediately follows the creation of man, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the word that's used there for work is the word abad, and it means to worship or to serve. And this is really significant because prior to sin entering the world, when everything was all good, Adam was placed in paradise and given the task of working and his work was his worship. Adam didn't have a compartmentalized life that was either work or worship. 
His work was his worship. It wasn't either or, it was both and. And he was given the task of keeping the garden, which is the word samar, which means to guard, to care for and secure something. So if we put all this together, Adam's worship was to guard, care for and take care of the property entrusted to him or to secure the territory God had assigned to him. This was the original design for the work of man's hand. And so today, when you and I approach our work in this way, our work as a business person, our work in starting a business, our work as a hairdresser, whatever it is, you apply what God's given you. When you approach your work as worship and something that God's involved in, we restore Eden and we bring kingdom to earth. So to be human is to work and to work is worship. And work is the principal act of worship to which human beings are called. called. That's a Daniel Block quote. So I want you to pause here for a moment and reflect what territory or property and trust has God given you to steward as an act of worship? Do you have children? Are you married? These children, this relationship is yours to cultivate as an act of worship. Do you work as an architect? This is your garden to guard and care for and secure as an act of worship to God. Our workplace and what we do is not meant to be a place where we hide our love for God or the fact that we go to church, hide the gifts of the Holy Spirit, leave the Holy Spirit at home or at church. Instead, as a holistic spiritual being, we worship by how we approach what we've been entrusted with And we take our everyday, ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and we place it before God as an offering. You know, God's kingdom is not a segmented, partially effective kingdom. I love thinking about this. God either reigns fully in my life or he doesn't reign at all. He has access to every area of my life or he really has no access at all. So we either worship him in how we do our finances, our relationships, our work, the building of the church, or we really don't worship him at all. He wants it all. And I know that we don't live in a time or a world where this is an easy way to live. It's very countercultural. But I actually believe that God is calling us in this season to be an all-in people. And so it's on that foundation that I want to introduce one of my friends who's recently started his own business. It's called Transformation Transformation Skylights. And I really wanted to have him on because he exemplifies what we've been talking about so well. Your tagline is transform your home, let the light in, which I love. So I want you to meet my friend, James. Welcome, James. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you here. And so I want you to tell all the people the story of how and why you started Transformation Skylights. Mm. Well, um, I suppose the idea um, really was birthed um, by the Holy Spirit um, Mm. middle of last year as I was um, going through a season where I really felt like the Lord was stripping a lot of things back. Um, Quite bizarrely, this was a seed that he planted in that time. Mm -hmm. And through a process of prayer and speaking with my wife, we began to pray into what this could look like. And and the thought 
that instantly came to me was how can we connect this to our heart and desire and dream for ministry? Um, to give a bit of background context, um, I was in this industry a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and um, stepped away mm-hmm. thinking that it was a door closed and a season done, yeah. um, stepped into a different um, area of work. Um, and then almost felt like I did a 360. I, I sort of felt like the Lord was leading me towards some sort of um, ministry within the church. Yeah. Um, to be honest, my concept of ministry was that it was in the church. Yeah. Um, and then everything else kind of supported that. Mm-hmm. So um, fast track to last year, uh, middle of last year, walking around, um, spending time, um, just praying, um, really asking God what the future looked like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what was this dream and desire that he placed inside of me that I wasn't seeing a lot of it take place. Yeah. Um, and so he birthed the idea of going back into um, doing skylights. So in praying what that would look like, I wanted a name that would um, both speak to what I did yep. and the difference that it makes in people's physical homes, yep. but also um, was an avenue um, for people to even connect and ask um, what the name means, um, but also to speak into um, what I believe is um, that he calls each and every one of us to do um, in our day-to-day, and that's to see lives transformed and rooms and spaces that we walk into um, changed um, by his presence and what he's done in us. So that is where Transformation Skylights began. I just love that, James, because you're really talking about here um, you had this kind of separate concept of ministry and work or what you're doing now, whereas you've now... through the leading of the Holy Spirit, merge the two, that your ministry is your work. And then given this this beautiful prophetic name, and I know you're actually seeing this bring light and transformation into people's lives. So how important was hearing the voice of God and following his leading in the start of the business? Because I know last year we were in lockdown, you were out of work, you'd kind of... um, you correct this if it's wrong, but feeling a little bit disappointed about a couple of opportunities and what you thought it might look like, but you're out walking and you hear God speak. Was it like an audible voice or was it more a nudge? What was that like for you? Um, I think for me, it was more an impression. Um, I mean, alongside the desire um, to do ministry within the four walls of the church there was also this desire to build the church um and be able to provide for the church and and be generous and last year uh just through circumstance for our family we had to pull back on a lot of things that we love to do one being generosity and all those sort of things so the lord had really put on my heart like a desire to get back into something that could really provide not only for us but to start to invest back into the church yeah um which is something we love to do um I believe that it was his voice that prompted me to start it. Yep. Um, and I believe that it was his um, his voice that kind of prompted the name. Yep. Um, it, it just came to me one day when I was out walking um, and it just felt right. It felt like it was the right name um, for the business. So his voice was definitely um, paramount in starting it. Yep. Um, and it has been in the first um, six to coming up 12 months of, of being within it too. It's so good. And you and your wife, Megan, are two of the most generous people I know. James, do you see this business as your ministry 
Or are you still thinking um, that there's a different kind of ministry ahead? Perhaps if you could just answer, is this business your ministry for now? Hmm. Um, I think I've wrestled with this a fair bit, um, especially coming into the business. Yeah. Um, almost a bit of apprehension to go all in with this. Yeah. Um, because of the dream that still is within my heart, within um, mine and my wife's heart. Yeah. Um, but also even um, things that we know God has spoken to us prophetically about our future that look different to what um, running this business looks like. Yeah. But we are convi- we are convinced that this business is um, what he's calling us to do now. Yeah. So in answer to your question, yes, this is our ministry. This is my ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very unique ministry because... Um, to to give some context to my day to day, I I might go into two or three homes, all over Melbourne, um, and people are most comfortable within their homes. Um, and if someone goes in there that is relaxed and and relatable, um, uh, they connect with that. So um, I think I've got a very unique position, um, and God is calling me to use this as um, a ministry tool yeah. um, to to impact other people. I love that because you do spend more time in the marketplace than anywhere else during the week. So one of Mm. the things that um, I think that you're articulating is that you've come to this revelation that ministry is where God has placed you, not just a roster you're on as one of our worship leaders or even a role within a church. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so have you had any interactions with clients? You mentioned you're in two or three homes in Melbourne across a day, which is pretty cool, actually, Mm. where you know God's speaking to you about the client or about the home or about the situation. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being someone that carries the Holy Spirit, you walk into a a room or an environment that doesn't feel right and you can sense it. Um, I go into homes where... um, they ask you to take your shoes off because they're Islamic. Um, yep. I go into homes that just feel dark um, in the natural, but also just in the physical. They feel hopeless. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, so they feel dark when you go in because you've got the Holy Spirit. You can sense that. Yeah. And so with carrying yep. the Holy Spirit, how do you feel like you make a difference to that sure. darkness or what you pick up? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I can, a few things that I do is, is not be um, confronted by that, but yeah. really um, go, okay, well, God, what do you want to do through my, um, you know, short amount of time with these people in their home? Um, I carry the the hope and the peace of God. Um, what can I do to actually share that in this home um, with sensitivity and respect um, in some of those environments? But what can I do? Um, can that be just a word of encouragement, especially at this time during yeah. COVID? People's language is very negative. Yep. Um, uh, how can I flip that? How can I be a point of difference? How can I be a different, um, different tradesman? <laughs> like how can I, how can I leave people with an impression that goes that guy was different? So um, good. And and what was it? Um, and that's kind of what I what I hope to do in every day with every every interaction I have is just to be a point of difference for people. So good. You're um, literally bringing transformation mm, to the atmosphere. I know you've yeah. got a story about a lady with cancer mm. in Coburg. Coburg. Yeah. Share that story with us. Yeah, sure. Um, so a couple of years ago, I um, was working for someone and I got sent out to this 
um, to do a, a service call on a, a house in, in Coburg. Um, and I went into this home and this lady, I, I through conversation, realized that she had cancer. Um, her home was an absolute um, mess, just really disrupted, um, just mm-hmm. stuff everywhere. And it kind of broke my heart at the time. And, um, and I really felt God in that moment prompt me to say something to her or just to um, just to share something or, and, and I didn't take up the opportunity. And, um, quite amazingly, um, two to three years later, I went and worked for that client again. And the first job they sent me to was this lady's house. Wow. And, um, and I just sensed that God wanted me to share something. So I went out there and I, I went back there and part of me didn't want to, because it was such a, um, confronting environment, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I just prayed and I said, God, look, what, what do you want me to share? Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily a straight out direct kind of person. So Mm -hmm. I was like, God, just navigate this and show me how I can share love to this lady and, um, just, just share, like really bring hope, um, into her home. Um, and funnily enough, when I first got there, she met me out at the street and we walked down to a house because the house was on a main road. Mm-hmm. And um, we got talking about how we'd been doing online church. And I talked about how it had been three years since I'd been there and what had I been doing since that time. And I told her how I'd worked in the church. Um, I got to have a conversation about how online church looked, give her the link, um, and just very practically share um, who I was, what I was about, um, and essentially just open her up and plant a seed Um of faith um and and i didn't see anything drastic happen that day i didn't actually pray for her or lay hands but what i did do is just um gave her an opportunity to see a person of faith um to sense the holy spirit to sense love to sense someone that actually cared um spoke to her about a situation um and i think at the end of the day that's um what we're called to do as well it's just to be salt and light just to um just to spread the hope around of Jesus and, and what he can do. Um, so that was a really cool story. I love and that. And one that I don't think, don't think it was coincidental. Absolutely so. not. And, you know, James, I hear people talk a lot about, oh, I feel like God gave me a word for the person who served me in the cafe, but I didn't do it. I say, you know what? God's big and he's gracious. Ask him to let mm. that person cross your path again. And for you, it was three years later and then you got to speak to her and yeah. you would have carried hope. You would have carried love into her situation. That's such a great story. Can you share with us, James, what is your vision for carrying God with you as you run your business? Like, you know, I say this a lot, speak to the possibilities. What could it look like for you to carry God and the Holy Spirit with you as you run your business? Yeah. My aim and my goal is just to be someone different in this industry and to be a point of difference, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, I suppose the industry carries a lot of, um, there's not a lot of integrity. There's not a lot of trust. There's not a lot of, um, men of faith. I don't think, yeah. um, it, it's a quite a rough and tough industry. So, yeah. um, my goal and my aim each day, um, with my interactions with the people I meet is just to be, um, exactly who I am everywhere else. Um, in the church on a Sunday leading worship, like who am I, um, because of how God has changed me and yeah. changed my heart um, and how can I reflect that onto other people. So um, 
really simply that that's my goal and that's my vision with it um just to be different um because of who god's because of what god's done in my heart but um the other way that we we choose to be a point of difference in this industry and it does take people by surprise um but we choose to actually donate five percent of our profits to children's fortress um and we're very um outward about that we put that on the quote and on our invoices um and our heart with that is to um it, going back to the start of our conversation to really connect ministry and business so good. Um, but also to give people the opportunity to come on the journey of changing someone else's life mm-hmm. even though they're not doing it directly um, we're giving them the opportunity to partner in that so um, and our other heart with that is that we would open up conversations so if people go why do you do that like what's the story with that then that's a great opportunity and avenue to actually talk about God, to talk about church, um, talk about our faith and just what we stand for as a business um, and as individuals. Um, so that's something that we really felt God put in our heart to do uh, when we started it. Um, it's quite different. There's not a lot of companies that do that in the building industry especially, but um, we just really wanted to make that connection um, I didn't know that, but you know what? Knowing you and Megs, that absolutely doesn't surprise me. Mm. But Children's Fortress Africa yeah. with Ben and Irene Hay, who are doing an incredible job with street kids in Nairobi. They are just brilliant. I can't wait to see the conversations that that opens up, James. Mm. Have you ever had to rely on prayer and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in your business? Yeah, Um I was going to make, I was saying earlier to my wife, Megan, um, making a joke about every time the rain clouds roll in and I'm on a roof and yeah. I've got all the roof stripped back. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the most time I pray, but. Um, you have to be like Elijah and stop the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like sliding down the roof on my butt. <laughs> it happens and it looks hilarious. But um, um, look, I, I'm not. Um, any different to anyone else. I have the good interactions with people. I also have the bad. Um, mm. And look, I work with um, with all sorts of people, um, all sorts of customers, and all sorts of clients. And I suppose probably the way that, that probably the the part that I've most had to rely on prayer and the Holy Spirit and His um, wisdom is in a couple of my interactions with um, different customers, builders perhaps that haven't paid up on the you know due date refuse to pay and just go god what is your response to this um how would you tackle this i mean in the natural in the flesh you go i want to go back and pull out that skylight and (laughs) um and they can sort it out but as a business and how that reflects back on me Mm -hmm. and what we stand for as a business then that doesn't fly so Mm -hmm. got to go god what would you do um how would you um even what would your language be emailing when talking on the phone with these people like um do i come at them more guns blazing or do i give grace um and at the end of the day what what is the right decision to do yeah. so definitely lean on prayer and and the wisdom of the holy spirit yeah what about the voice of the holy spirit when you've got growth steps or big decisions you need to make in the business what does that look like for you yeah um this is all really new territory for me. Um, I've always had a heart for business. Um, Megan and I have both done a few little businesses over our time, but, um, this is really new territory, especially, um, amidst a pandemic. And, um, I'm just really asking God, what, 
what is your heart for this? Like, what does this look like? What, how, like, do you want me to grow this big? Do you want me to keep this small? Do you want me to use this to do other stuff for your kingdom? It, like, yeah. what does this look like? And that's a constant conversation I'm having with God. Yeah. Um, but I'm also just relying on him to lead and guide um, mm. and just grow it according to his will. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm daily submitting it to him. Um, I'm choosing to enjoy it and have fun and just allow him to just to lead the way with it Mm -hmm. um yeah so i love that because um jesus was actually a great carrier of joy and jesus was a prophet obviously and when he entered a situation everything changed even sometimes when he didn't say something his presence was prophetic his presence changed atmospheres and you've actually touched on that james So for people who perhaps are in the marketplace, run a small business, perhaps work with builders in the trade, who maybe even have had a mindset of ministry as for the church and they're hearing this today and they're interested in starting to operate, being led by the Holy Spirit wherever he has placed them, how, what piece of advice would you give them about where to start? Mm. Um, I suppose use what's in your hand now. I think, um, I think I perhaps overlooked that um, mm-hmm. for for a little while and I, I went, but this is what I want to do. But God was going, no, this is what's in your hand now. And this is a door of opportunity that I'm opening. So I would say don't but trust God and his word on mm-hmm. what he's spoken into um, your now and also your future, but respond to what he's given you now um, and the opportunity is placed in your hand now because there's impact to be made. I guess I think about like, what what if I didn't start this? What if I just sat um, in the mindset of last year and didn't pull myself out of it and, and go, okay, I'm going to step out on a, on a whisper, God. Mm-hmm. Um, the people now that I wouldn't be interacting with, that I, the homes I wouldn't be going into, um, the difference that I wouldn't be making if I hadn't responded to that and I just had my mindset on what um, is potentially ahead. Yeah. Um, but also... Um, Every day when I get into the car, or most days when I get into the car, I spend my mornings driving to um, my jobs um, just with worship music on, with podcasts. Um, but it's also my time to really pray and just spend time with the Lord. So, But one thing I do pray every day when I'm driving to work is, God, I pray that today you would help me to see the opportunity that you bring before me to make a difference to the world around me. Pray that you would be in every conversation and every interaction I have today. I pray that in every home I enter and every person I encounter, you would bring transformation, not only in the physical, but also the spiritual. And I commit each and every day to to God. And I just ask that he would use me, um, even in my busyness, even in my um, perhaps over overlooking his voice and, and the, the different um, things he's calling me to do. And even in the times that I miss his voice, just God, use me again today. Um, to bring glory to you and to be a, an example of your your goodness and your faithfulness and your presence in my life. So I would say a good place to start is to pray and just say to God, use me. And he'll take you up on that. He'll use you at your word and he'll, he'll produce fruit in you in whatever sphere of influence you have. That's brilliant, James. And I am very honored, my husband and I, to do the journey and life with you and your wife mm. and we talk all the time about how proud we are of you two and how inspiring you are and 
your little boy, Emmy, who can have the world if he asks me, and you've got <laughs> another son coming, which is yep. so exciting. But James, I want to thank you for sharing today and for actually giving people an example of what it looks like to not be completely weird about it, but just be who Jesus has called you to yep. be in your business. And that is prophetic. And I want to loop back to what we talked about at the start, that our work is our worship. Our parenthood is our worship. How we do friendship is worship. How you practice the law, teach your students, that's your worship. And you can operate prophetically by hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and then following that and sometimes even giving voice to it like James did when he got to go back to that woman in Coburg. Daniel Block says, true worship is expressed primarily in everyday conduct. We mentioned this last week. If you are a full-time Christian, you are in full-time ministry. And you have heard firsthand from James tonight how God has shown him that in the last 18 to 24 months. Most of our lives are lived outside the four walls of the church. So if we divide and compartmentalize our worship or our ability to be prophetic to what we do at church alone, we will prevent the Holy Spirit from being involved in most of our lives. We need to understand that biblically it's not either or, it's both and. It's the whole mm. of our lives. It's transformation skylights. It's the two or three homes that James carries the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus with into every day. It's the classroom you're going to teach in tomorrow. You can have the secrets of God revealed to you through the Holy Spirit so that you can lead others to Jesus and extend his kingdom. So thank you again, James, for sharing your wisdom today. I really appreciate you. So thank you everyone for joining us today for this episode of the Prophetic Collective as we have continued our new Spheres collection. Next week, we're going to tackle another sphere with a special guest and I know you will love it. So stay tuned. Join the conversation on social media at Stacey Hillier. I love hearing from you, especially I'd love to hear your stories of how these chats are opening up new things to you. Perhaps you've got a business, you work in the marketplace. Let me know how James' story has given you some ideas. Hey, business people, step out this week. Just step out. You can do it. If you know somebody who is a business person, who has their own business, send them a link to this podcast. Let them hear the things that James is doing, like with Children's Fortress, the conversations that is going to open up. That is so inspiring. And the more people who are living with the conviction that it's not either or, but both and, the more glory Jesus gets. And that's actually why we're here. So once again, thanks for subscribing and leaving reviews. It's a huge help to me when you do that. And I can't wait to talk with you really soon in this little community that we like to call the Prophetic Collective. Until then, you know what I say. Stay cool.